Revelation chapter 3, uh, we're going to begin studying in verse 11. Uh, if you are new today, or if this is your first time, we are in a series of messages on the great book of Revelation, the apocalypse, the grand unveiling of our precious Savior, Jesus Christ. And I love that song we sang just a moment again, the affirmation that we believe that Jesus Christ, the same one who died a substitutionary death and was placed in a borrowed tomb, he arose from the dead, and glory to God, one day uh, he will come again. But between that time and today, we have much uh, work to do. We have much to be accomplishing in the name of Jesus for the kingdom of God. And I love the study of Revelation. It, it really is an unveiling of who Jesus is. The book is all about him and about his power and his glory and his deity. And today we get to study his message to the church at Philadelphia. This is the third sermon out of a trilogy of messages that I've been preaching here on this church at Philadelphia. Uh, Adelphos is brother, and phileo means to love. And so that uh, compound word, we get the city of brotherly love. And by the way, this, this church, as we've mentioned before, there's only two churches in the seven, this one in Smyrna, that Jesus really did not reprimand. He had no word of rebuke for this church. In fact, it's just the antithesis. He praised them. He said, you guys are doing an amazing job. You are walking through the open doors that I'm giving you, though your strength is small. You're depending on me. You're relying on me. You're obeying me, and you're being faithful to me. And so I just commend you, church, at Philadelphia. And then the Lord, as we looked at last week, he, he begins to speak these words of truth and encouragement and affirmation to this church. And, and really, if there's a message that we need to hear today as the church of the living God, it is this message, that when we persevere in the name of Jesus, we will be preserved, we will be blessed. As we strive to serve Him and be strong on His behalf, He is strong on our behalf. When we are over, overwhelmed by this world and we put our faith and trust in Him, then we become overcomers who are overjoyed. And so, I don't know if you ever feel like this, but sometimes, you know, you just get a little spiritually nauseous at your stomach. You, you look at the television, I mean, my word, we were trying to watch some program the other day. And, and I could hardly watch it because all the advertisements had to do with some form of sexuality. I tell you, our world is intoxicated, I mean absolutely in a drunken stupor, over this thing of sex. Sex this, sex that. Well, Brother Danny, sex sells. And that's why they got to have all that plastered on the, on the movies and on the TV. And I don't know about it, y'all, but I, sometimes I just get to the point of Jesus would you just come again? Would you just come and get us and take us out of here? And the Lord says, not so fast. Not so fast, because there's work for you and for me to do. And so how are we going to do this? How are we going to keep our noses clean? How are we going to keep focused on Christ when we are inundated with all of this garbage and all this sewage and all of, this, all of these philosophies and ideals that are antithetical to the gospel? Well, the Lord tells us you need to persevere and you need to be strong. You do not need to be intimidated. You need to be, as Mandisa might say, you need to be an overcomer. And so today, this message is for those of us who are walking with the Lord. We're not perfect, but we're trying to please the Lord. We want to honor Him. And if you're here today and you're a little bit weary, you're a little bit tired, you're a little intimidated with the world, I am so glad that you're here today because today... We're just going to brag on the Lord, and we hope that we're going to encourage you in your walk with Christ. Jesus says, Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take away your crown. Hold fast. Strengthen yourself in me, 
and I will bless you. You will receive a crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. And notice this. Jesus said, I myself will do the following. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. And then he says in verse 13, he who has an ear, and by the way, that would be all of us. We have ears. We have spiritual acoustics. We have sensitivity of the, of the hearing. And, and Jesus says, if you have an ear, and listen to what he's saying. If you know me and you are walking with me, and even though sometimes you feel overwhelmed and outmatched and intimidated, if you will follow me and not give up, if you will persevere, if you will be strong, and you will be an overcomer, then I promise you this, you will win. You will overcome. You will be victorious. Don't be intimidated. Don't be worried. Don't be frightful. Don't be fearful. Jesus Christ is speaking, and he says, if you got an ear, let, let him hear what the Spirit of God says to his churches. So I'm a little bit juiced up this morning, a little bit jacked up. It's not the caffeine and the coffee or Starbucks. It's just this text. I could not wait to get here today and share with you not only that perseverance leads to preservation. We talked about that last week, but let's get right into our text in verse 11 where strength leads to satisfaction. Strength in the Lord leads to a blessed, blissful, satisfied life. Now the command here in verse 11, the verb is kratos. When Jesus says, hold fast what you have. This is a present active imperative verb. Keep on perpetually, ongoingly, holding fast, persevering. The word literally means to seize or to fasten. It has the connotation of physical exertion. Jesus says, hold on, hold fast, don't give up, and you will not lose uh, your reward. There's a verse of Scripture that's such a parallel to this one. I want to read it to you. It's Ephesians 2. And before I read verse 10, let me give you verses 8 and 9. Paul says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, uh, not of yourselves, not of works, lest anybody should boast. All right, Now that is pre-salvation. We, we don't really bring anything to the table. God draws us, we repent, we believe, and we are, <clears throat> we are converted. We are saved. But after that, look at verse 10. We are not saved by works. But after we're saved, we are to work. We are to persevere. We are to hold on. We are to hold fast. Look at this. For we are His workmanship. <clears throat> the Greek word is poeme. That's where we get the English word poem. We are His masterpiece. We are His art. We are that canvas on which God does His masterful work. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Now look at this, church. For what purpose? <clears throat> Are y'all, can y'all see it? Is it up there? For what purpose? For good works. Now, we're not saved by works, but once we are saved, we are created by God now to engage in good deeds, in good works, 
This is our purpose. This is why God has saved us, redeemed us for Himself, so that we would be on display. We would be His trophies of grace. We would be a set-apart people that the world would look at and say, wow, what is up with you? How are you making it? How are you, how's your marriage thriving? How's your family doing so well? Why is there this peace and joy in your life? And you would say, it is because Jesus Christ reigns in my life, and I am I'm an overcomer. We are created in Him for good works, which God prepared beforehand, watch this, that we should walk in these good works. So Jesus tells the church there at Philadelphia, He says, not only are you to persevere, which will lead to your preservation, but you're also to strengthen. You're to fasten upon what you know to be the truth, and God says He will bless us indeed. Now, notice what He says in verse 11. He says, hold fast, back to verse 11, says, what you have. Do you notice that? You know, we're to hold on to what we have. Our day and age is infatuated with the new, with the young. And so if it's new and groovy and sexy and it's kind of, you know, it's kind of out there, you know, it's got this appeal to it, let's just all just rush to the new in avoidance of the sacred old. And I just want to say something about that. Guys, we, we should not be so much interested in some new methodology, new philosophy, new ideology, new theology. We are to be consumed with what we have because what we have far exceeds any new ideal or revelation that will come through. Paul, or Jude put it like this. In Jude chapter 3, he says, Beloved, I was very diligent to write to you concerning your salvation. I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you. Watch this. Mm, watch this. Contend earnestly for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. Now, now look at that verb up there. To contend, or this infinitive. To contend earnestly is the Greek word epagonizomai. Epagonizomai. It's where we get the English word agony. And so there's this connotation of this wrestling and this strength and this exertion on the part of the follower of Christ. Not trying to make up some new idea. Listen, this is where the cultic groups get in such incredible, difficult trouble. I know what the Bible says, and I know what Jesus said, but I had an angel Moroni. She appeared to me, and I've got this new revelation. I've got this Woo! I got this new thing, man. And if you'll just come with me and follow me, I know what God says, but let's just put that aside for a minute and just watch this new thing I've got. Or I'm a prophetess, and I know what the Bible says, but I've been given new. Woo! Look at me. Man, I've been given new revelations, and, and I can show you great and wonderful things. You just tell those people, uh-uh, I don't need it. Jesus is all I need. The Word of God is all I need. I don't need some new revelation, some new prophet or some prophetess. Man, I'm consumed with Him. He's enough. His Word is enough. I'm, I'm not interested in that. And that's, that's where we—Jesus said, listen— be strong in what you have. You have me. I am sufficient. I am enough, thus says our Lord. And then he says, do this so that no one will take away your crown. Now, for me, the crown here, this Greek word, by the way, is stephanos. And it means the wreath or the flower that the winner of the games in the public arena when they were number one in wrestling, or they're number one in the marathon, or number one in whatever game they were playing, the winner would always receive a wreath, a stephanos. 
And what I think Jesus is saying here is, don't become disqualified. You're in me and I am in you. Contend for the faith. Don't be intimidated. Don't be, don't be so worried about what's going on in this world. This world is not going to get any better. In fact, it's going to get worse. And it's going to get really bad and I'm going to come again. But in the meantime, what I need you to do, I need you to be focused on me, not looking for some new, found, fancy, pantsy, wancy kind of new thing, man. I want you to be focused on me, focused on my word, and tell everybody you know about me, ground them in me, and you will not lose your crown. Now, I don't think he's talking about your salvation. I didn't earn my salvation. I can't lose my salvation. I didn't purchase my salvation. Jesus did. It's a gift he gave to me. He's not going to take it back. You say, you sound like you're once you're saved and you're really saved and you're always saved. That is true. Once the Spirit of God seals you and you've been born again by the Spirit of God, you are God's child. Now, there are rewards. There are crowns in heaven, I believe, that God will give us if we persevere, if we're strong, and if we don't, if we don't quit. Strength leads to pure satisfaction. I know, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm dating myself, but Mick Jagger, he's going to be 71 this month. No, no, no. <laughs> so, y'all help me. Dun, dun, I don't know. I can't get no. Ba-na-na. What? How did y'all know that song? <laughs> Just about everybody knows that goofy song. I can't get no, but I try, and I try, I can't get no, okay, he can't get no satisfaction, though he tried, and he tried, and he tried. By the way, he looks like he can't get no satisfaction, but anyhow, it's, um, <laughs> that is one strange looking guy, but anyhow, in the Rolling Stones magazine, they interviewed another guy that said, I can't get no satisfaction. Though I've tried, and I've tried, and I've tasted just about everything the world has to offer, And Brad Pitt revealed something very, very interesting. And this is what he said. Rolling Stones magazine was interviewing him, and they said, Talk to us about your life. You seem to be living the American dream, and yet you seem to us to be dissatisfied with life. And Brad Pitt, in his own words, says, Man, I know all these things are supposed to seem important to us, the car, the condo, our version of success, but if that's the case... Why is the feeling out there reflecting more desperation and isolation and loneliness? And Brad Pitt goes on to say, if you ask me, I say toss all of this. we got to find something else. Because all I know is that at this point in time, we are heading for a dead end. A numbing of the soul. A complete atrophy of the spiritual being. And I don't want that. Rolling Stone's editor said, So if we're heading toward this kind of existential dead end in society, what do you think, Mr. Pitt, ought to happen? This is interesting. To which he responded, hey, man, I don't have those answers. The emphasis now is on success and personal gain. I'm sitting in it, man, and I'm telling you, I've got it. But once you've got everything, then you're just left with yourself. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. It doesn't help you sleep any better, and you don't wake up any better because of it. In other words, I can't get no satisfaction. And if the world had it, really had it, I would have experienced it. 
Because I've got more money than I know what to do with. I'm in more movies than I know what to do with. I have this amazing wife, this family, and all this stuff. But I'm still telling you, there's something out there that I am longing for in the deepest recesses of my soul. Can I just go on record and say, friends, J-E-S-U-S, Jesus Christ, Son of God. He's the one that satisfies us. He's the one that, he's the one that blesses us and says, listen, I created you. I'm the only one who can fill this chasm, this gulf, this canyon in your soul. And Augustine was right. I always thought Tom Landry said this, but he didn't. Augustine said it. Our souls are restless until they find their rest in thee. Hold on, Jesus said. Hey, you're, you're on the winning team. I know it may not look like it. And I may, and I know you may get a little worried, discouraged, but you hold on. Kratos, present imperative, keep on being strong, and you will not lose your reward. Number two, or number three, actually in this case, because we looked at number one last week. Overcoming leads to being overjoyed. And the verse there is, um, it's verse 12, when it says, He who nikon. That's where we get the English word Nike. He who, Nikon, he who overcomes. Then Jesus said, I'm going to do the following things for those four things. And I'm going to look at them with you for just a moment. In just a moment. But the word overjoyed, I, I heard this word yesterday and I smiled at the wedding. I think Katie even said this word in, in a context after the, uh, uh, after the ceremony. She, she said something about just being overjoyed. And that word literally means a sense of euphoria, ecstasy, ecstasy, elation. And one definition I read of overjoyed means to be on cloud nine. He who overcomes Jesus will do the following things uh, for us. Now, let's look at these. The first one he says, I will, and I've just... It's fascinating to me in this one verse, in verse 12, these four things Jesus himself is speaking, and he takes the honest upon himself. He said, I will myself do the following things for you when you overcome. Now watch what he, what he says. Number one, he says, I've interpreted it, that I will settle you. He says, I will make you a pillar in the temple of my God. Now what does that mean? Does that mean... We're going to spend all eternity as some kind of marble, brick, mortar temple just, you know, standing there, you know, in, in God's temple. Well, of course not. There's a lot of figurative language. There's a lot of metaphor in Revelation, and this is one of those cases. When Jesus says, I will make you a pillar, I will settle you, and this is where when you study the background, it helps you tremendously. A.D. 17, remember what happened in Philadelphia? There was a massive earthquake. And that earthquake decimated the city of Philadelphia. And it so shook the city in such a seismic, I mean, shaking of the earth. Most of the, the buildings or the little homes, they, they crumbled. And even to this day, in AD 95, when Jesus spoke these words to John, those decades had passed, and it was still fresh in the minds of the people who either are alive or their parents or grandparents, whatever, had told them about this this incredible earthquake. And whenever there was a little tremor, historians say in Philadelphia, the people would run out of their homes and they would go stand out in the open countryside in fear and trepidation going, man, if another one of those big things comes, I don't, I don't want to 
I don't want to be in a building. I want to be somewhere. And Jesus said to them, you don't have to worry about that. Because you're an overcomer. And I will myself settle you with permanency, with blessing, with, with all the, the blessings of heaven will be yours because I'm going to give you that. I'm going to personally give you. I don't know if that does anything to anybody. I'm going to tell you something. That, that blessed me. That tells me that I'm just a pilgrim passing through this life. This world is not my home. I'm not so infatuated with it and gaining it and, and attaining it because I'm just an alien. I'm just a pilgrim passing through on my way to glory. And the future is going to be absolutely mind-blowing for those of us who follow Christ and overcome so he will settle, settle us. And I like what he says here. I will make you in a, as a pillar in the temple of my God and you shall go out no more. Do you hear what he's saying? This, this is an interesting construction in the Greek language. It's the strongest way to state a negation. The, the, it literally reads, and out not at all. It is the strongest way you can state a negation. In other words, you will never fear. You, when you're with me, you're going to be secure. You're going to be settled. Your home will be forever in heaven with me. And so that ought to motivate you. That ought to encourage you to keep pressing on in this life because this world is not your home. So number two is you'll be saved. And this threefold name that Jesus said, I'm going to write on you, the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, and my new name. Robert Thomas says the significance of this threefold name quote, is an absolute assurance of eternal life. To have the name of my God was equivalent, he says, to belonging to God and being endowed with divine power. So look at it like this. God's going to settle us like a pillar. We're not going to go out anymore. He's going to write on us the name of God, the name of the city of God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven, and then I'm going to write on him, on us, his uh, new name. So there is settled, there is, secure, there is uh, saved, and then there is security. Look, when he says the city of my God, and this is really fascinating. We're going to get to this in a little while. In Re well, say a little while, mercy. Revelation 21, 22, it'll be a while. You know what I'm saying? It, it'll be more than a little while. I mean, you know, the Lord might come back before we finish Revelation. But that's okay by me. I tell you that, man, guys, things are going on. Things are happening. I wouldn't be surprised if the Son of God came at any moment. I mean, just open up your eyes. Israel is hated for a reason. And she's going to continue to be hated. And there's going to be some Muslim countries going to gather up around her like they're doing now. And when y'all see that, if y'all are alive, when y'all see that happen, lift up your eyes because he's about to come. I, that's my interpretation in eschatology, especially Ezekiel 38 and 39. I may be wrong, but I really believe that things are just unfolding in rapid pace. And, and you know, and here's another reason why I believe this. It's like Satan is throwing out everything he's got. He's He's only got a few bags of tricks, and sex is one of them. And he just he, he tantalizes that in front of people. And, 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 and I tell you, I'm, you parents that got small children, God bless you. God bless you. 
pray for you. I, I really am. I'm going to pray that God gives you strength. Because you're going to be outnumbered in the world's eyes. But I believe Satan is he's throwing everything he's got against us as the church. He, so many churches are just capitulating and falling under. And it could very well be. We will be the terminal generation. We will be the last generation. Hey, listen, guys. If that's true, when he comes, let's be strong. When he comes, may he recognize us clearly. When he comes, may we not be in some compromising position, but may we be in love with him, serving him, because Jesus said for a fact in Matthew 24, times are going to get atrocious, they're going to be bad, and then the Son of Man is going to come. But this idea of the new Jerusalem, he, he talks about it in Revelation 21. John says, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It was prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. The old earth and the old heaven will be evaporated. Peter says they're just going to be disintegrated. And then you have this new habitat, this holy Jerusalem. And I've just used the word security. This will be our heavenly center uh, uh, our heavenly city, our eternal abode, our eternal home. Revelation 22, 4 says, We will see his face, and his name will be on our foreheads. Now, let me ask you a question. What is that name? He said, I'm going to write on you my new name. I have no idea what that is. I, I think heaven's got a lot of things in store for us that are just going to be absolutely uh, mind-blowing. He says, but I'm going to write on you the name of, the, of God, the name of the new Jerusalem, and I will write on him my new name. Here's what one writer says about it. I like this. John MacArthur says, Christ's name, we don't know what it is. There's this new name he's going to dispense on his children. It represents the fullness of his person. In heaven, believers will see him as he is. And whatever we may know of him, mm, mm, listen, listen to this. And whatever we may know of him here on earth, will pale into real, in reality when we see him as he is. The new name by which we will be privileged to call him will reflect that glorious revelation of his person, end of quote. You know, when I first heard this, I didn't know if I liked it or not. I, I thought I, I may have disagreed with it, but the more I think about it, the more I think Dr. Grudem is right. In our systematic theology class that we taught last year here at Great Hills, and by the way, uh, we, we taught 22 weeks of systematic theology at 6.45 a.m. every Thursday for the fall and the spring last semester. And I have people say, you've lost your mind. What? Nobody wants to study that stuff, and I found just the opposite. People are hungry for these wonderful doctrines of the faith. But Dr. Grudem said, you know, I believe when we get to heaven, we will for all eternity continue to learn about God. And I thought, that's interesting. Because I kind of thought, when I get to heaven, shazam, here I am. I got it. Oh, Jesus, amen. He said, no. He said, no. For eternity. He's so amazing. He's so awesome. He's so otherworldly. That for eternity, we will learn and study about this triune, awesome God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Creator, Sustainer. The providential, wonder-working, miracle-working God who's omnipotent. This God can do anything. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere at all times. I'm telling you guys, the closer it gets, 
I mean, just the sweeter he becomes to me. Whether he's coming again or whether I'm dying and I'm going into his presence, I'm telling you, this world is pales into comparison to who he is, how awesome he is, and what a joy it will be to spend eternity in God's presence and be overjoyed, to be overwhelmed in his presence. I mean, to be satisfied for eternity, not in these weak measly little sexual dainties, little things that the devil offers. I'm telling you, that's like eating crackers compared to a sumptuous festival meal. I'm telling you, the, 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 the Lamb of God will present to us all eternity, all of heaven. And I'm telling you, friend, what is over here, it pales into comparison. So listen to me carefully. Listen to me carefully. Don't be satisfied with this, all right? Don't be overwhelmed with what the devil has to offer, because I promise you in the name of Jesus, whatever he has to offer, it's not near as good. It's not near as pleasurable. It's not near as wonderful as what you and I are going to experience. One whoa, one great glorious day when we go into the presence of Almighty God. Man, it's going to be worth it. And I don't know about you, but I, I just think about that sometimes. I'm like, God, thank you. You've given us a written record, a revelation of, of all these things, and, and Lord, we don't really know what these things mean. How are you going to write New Jerusalem on me? Boom. Okay, cool. And the name of God, boom, over here, the name of the, my new name, boom. I don't know. I don't know. All I know is it's going to be amazing. And I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to be duped into thinking that this world is better than the next world. Jesus said, persevere in my name. Be strong in me. Be an overcomer. Man. As the Spirit of God just gave me a strong word, I want to say it to you. He is worth it. He's worth it. He's worthy. Whatever you're experiencing, whatever temptation, whatever difficulty you're going through, if you're trying to hang in there, trying to please Him, the Spirit of God just told me to tell you, He's worth it, and He's going to bless you. He's going to bless you far more. Oh, here it is, here it is. I has not seen nor ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. 1 Corinthians 2, 9. And by the way, I pray that verse every day over one of my children. And I'm not going to tell you which one it is. But she, she'll love it. <laughs> I have one daughter, by the way. And I pray that prayer over you every day. Every day. And for Bright, I pray this prayer over him every day. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And for Leighton, I pray this prayer over him. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. Hey, listen, family, parents. Ask the Spirit of God to give you a verse for your child. And when the Spirit of God gives you a verse, pray that verse over them every day. I do this every day. And that's free, by the way. I just want to share that, share that with you. 
So Jerry Lucas was an amazing basketball player. He won everything that you possibly can win. In Ohio, he won two state championships in high school. Graduated from high school, went to Ohio State University, and in 1960, they won the national championship under his leadership. 1960, also, he was on the Olympic gold medal winning team from America. Won, that's, by the way, y'all remember when the college guys used to play? The college guys, by the way, young people, used to play in the Olympics, not the pros, which made it very interesting. So it was odd for us to win it, and, and Jerry Lucas led him to win a gold medal. Only one thing missing. He needs to go to the pros, and he needs to win an NBA championship. And sure enough, 1973-74 season, Jerry Lucas led the New York Knickerbockers, the New York Knicks, to win the NBA championship. 1996... The NBA created a list of the 50th all-time greatest NBA players. Jerry Lucas was right there on that list. Sports Illustrated years ago did a feature story on him. He said, let me, let me tell you all something maybe you all don't know. He said, my last year in the NBA, 1973, I had somebody share Jesus Christ with me. He said, I just want you to know something. Man. I thought it was too good to be true. That a God loved me that much to create me and then go to the cross for me. If I would just yield myself to him. He said, I, I became a Christian. I gave my life to Christ in 1973. A friend gave him a Bible. And Jerry Lucas took this Bible, all 27 books of the New Testament, and he memorized every word. He's 70-something years of age today. He still travels all over the nation, and he teaches the Lucas Memory System, where he teaches you how to memorize. Sports Illustrated said, Well, Jerry Lucas, what is the best thing that has ever happened to you? Y'all ready for this? I'm glad you're sitting down. Listen to this. I got it written down. So hold on a second. Well, there it is. He said, quote, people, they ask me that a lot. What's the greatest thing that has ever happened to me? The answer surprises people. The answer coming from an All-American, a Hall of Famer, Sportsman of the Year, da-da-da-da-da. My answer will surprise you. Here's my answer. It has not happened yet. I haven't seen him yet, but one day, one great glorious day, when I enter into his presence, that will be the best thing that will ever happen to me. Hey, let me ask you a question. Are you living with eternity in mind? Do you realize that the decisions you make on this earth will determine where you will spend eternity? And to the degree of the rewards that you will receive in eternity, whether heaven or hell. The decisions you make on earth clearly determine and delineate where you will spend eternity and what all your eternity will encompass. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, I, if I thought it would do any good, I would literally get on my knees and beg you and say, give your life to Christ today. Don't wait. Trust God. Trust His Word. Things are happening at an amazing rate. Jesus Christ, 
I believe, is calling his people together in an unprecedented way, and he is going to take us out of here. I think it's going to happen in my lifetime. If it doesn't, I'm going to keep living as if it's going to happen in my lifetime. Because if I live with that sense of immediacy and an urgency, it'll keep me out of trouble. Keep you out of trouble. Are you in fellowship with other believers? If not, then man, come on. Get right with your brother. Get right with your sister. Jesus said, you can't even worship me if you're not right horizontally. Leave your gift at the altar and go make it right with your brother and then worship me. Do you have a church? Do you have a place you belong? If not, man, get plugged in. Get into a small group. Get into a Bible life class. Get into a worshiping community and, 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 and be a part and be a part of a team because I'm telling you, we're so much stronger together okay, than we are this isolated Lone Ranger mentality. Tim, man, life is too short to be part of a dead church. I'm so glad. Our church is alive, and it's, and things are happening in our church. I can't remember the last Sunday we did not baptize somebody. Guys, that is, that is mind-blowing. That is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, these teenagers are getting crazy excited about Jesus. You, you know in the history of evangelism, spiritual awakening, whenever God did a big move, he always did two things. People prayed, and the teenagers got on fire. I'm telling you, these guys are, they're getting jacked up. They're, they're cranked up. We're so blessed, man. We're blessed. I'm, I'm just, I don't know, I just tell people all the time about our church and what God's doing in our church. Hey, I'm going to tell you something else. I'm, this is just bothering me a little bit. I'm going to tell you something. I'm sad that Sundays don't last long. I really am. I'm just like, we get this one shot. And I just get so excited and then, and poof, shazam, an hour. It's gone. You say, an hour? What watch are you looking at, brother? It's been an hour and 15 minutes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Is anybody else like that? You're just like, you're, oh, man, you're hungry. Let me tell you this. The more... The more unlike the world you are, the sweeter this place becomes. If you're living for Him and you're just thirsty for Him, you can't wait. I just I couldn't hardly sleep last night. Y'all woke up time and time again. All I can think of is, man, Mike's going to be singing We Believe. Jana's going to be singing Oceans and Drew's in town. Woo, I love to hear Drew sing. I was like, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. I couldn't go to sleep. And I said, I get the sacred trust of the people of God at Great Hills. I said, Pastor Danny, we want you to preach the word of God. It's just almost too much. So what are y'all doing tomorrow? No, I'm just kidding. I just, I just almost want to come back and, and do it again. Maybe we should. I don't know. Maybe, maybe God's calling us to do something, something different. If I were to pull one of those on y'all one time, said, hey, let's just have church tomorrow night. Would y'all, would some of y'all show up? Would a couple of you show up? Okay, good. Teenagers, I'm not tomorrow because y'all won't be here. Y'all need to be here when we, when we do this because uh, 
Chad poured into y'all for a reason. And Daniel's helping you with the reason. Okay, so it goes wonderful. It goes so beautiful. Thank you, Chad. Love you, brother. Thank you. Thank you, Daniel. So I know i got to be quiet. I know i got to go. But, um, man, I just wish, I wish we could just stay in his presence longer. But if you're here today and you'd say, Brother Danny, that's me. Man, you're talking to me. I need to give my life to Christ. Man, why don't you come? We, we want you to come to this altar. We want to pray with you. We want to encourage you. Father, we do pray in the name of Jesus that you would have your way. Lord, I think about that old song. It says, have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. You are the potter and we, Lord, are the clay. Mold us, Lord. Shape us. Break us, Lord. To be the people, God, you've called us to be. God, I thank you for this church. Just love these people dearly, God. I thank you, Lord, that you're making us, um, you're making us into this radiant body of Christ that it's going to shine the light of the gospel. And we're going to stand strong in a wicked, cruel, crazy world. But Jesus, we're going to do it in a different way. We're going to do it with love and compassion. I pray, God, if there's some people in this house today, they need to join our church, Lord. We need them. Uh, we need their spiritual gifts. We need their resources. We need them to help us and become a part of our team. I ask you to draw those people to us. Lord, I pray for my brothers and my sisters. God, this is a, this is a crazy world, Jesus. And they're, they're torn. They're, some of them are here today, God, and they're trying to do what's right. And they just keep slipping up and just keep being overwhelmed with temptation. Would you just remind them, Jesus, again, that you're worth it, you're worthy, you're stronger. And I pray that you would bless them. And finally, Lord, I pray in these crazy days in which we live, if there's somebody here today never given their life to you. I pray this very moment. Hey, friend, listen. Listen to me real, real carefully. If that's you, then I need you, to, I need you to pray with me at this moment, all right? You know who you are. You just, you just repeat after me. You say, dear God in heaven, and you just pray it quietly, silently in your heart. Dear God, you are awesome. I am not. God, you are holy, and I'm not. Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. Just tell him. I believe that you died for my sins and you arose from the dead. Jesus, you're awesome. I give you my life. I give you my life. From this day forward, I'm going to live for you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen. Amen.